Welcome to Radio Free Rabbi with Rabbi Joshua Aronson of Temple Judea in Tarzana, California. Crooked highways. I've stepped in the middle of seven side forests. I've been out in front of a dozen dead oceans. I've been ten thousand miles in the mouth of a graveyard. And it's a hard, it's a hard, it's a hard. It's a hard, it's a hard rain you're gonna fall. That was Bob Dylan's Hard Rain is Gonna Fall from his, I guess we could call it seminal album, uh, Free Will and Bob Dylan uh, from 1963. Uh, that album had just an overwhelming number of unbelievable songs. Blowing in the Wind and Masters of War, uh, and the list goes on and on. And those songs, though they are from 63, certainly resonate at the moment. And uh, I wanted to, I was interested in that, and I became interested in that. And when I'm interested in anything literary, I have the good fortune of being able to turn to my good friend, Jonathan Levin, who is one of my oldest and is among my dearest friends. And in addition to all those great things on his CV that I've just mentioned, like being my friend, he also happens to actually be a professor of English at Mary Washington University in Fredericksburg, Maryland, the lovely town uh, there, about an hour south of Washington. And I want to welcome John, Jonathan, to the, uh, to the podcast called Radio Free Rabbi. Hey, Radio Free. <laughs> I will correct you already right off the bat. You've made the mistake that I made the first time I looked to see where Fredericksburg was. It's Frederick, Maryland, Fredericksburg, Virginia. Oh, did I say Maryland? Oh, yes, you did. You said oh. Fredericksburg, Maryland. <laughs> it's because people confuse Frederick and Fredericksburg, both of which are about the same distance from D.C., just in different directions. But I said it was south of Washington, so I had the right state in mind. <laughs> you got it. You're close enough. Yeah, no, no. It is Fredericksburg, Virginia. I don't know why I said Maryland, but, uh, and it still is, it still is about an hour south of Washington, D.C., correct? They haven't moved it. So they haven't moved it. Okay. So that's. Except in traffic when it's about twice that. That's good to know. And uh, all of the vast listeners on Radio Free Rabbi should, uh, should know that uh, among his, his college buddies, of, of all the things we universally acknowledge, which are very few, we do universally acknowledge that uh, John uh, is the smartest among us. So, John, we brought you on only because I love to talk to you, and that's a great thing. But I also thought you would be the man to really kind of, you know, help us understand and, 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 and see. I, I think that Dylan's songs have great resonance at this moment. And uh, I got fixated as I was ruminating about the times we live in, which was before the situation that emerged with George Floyd. 
I was ruminating about the song, A Hard Rain's Gonna Fall. And that song is kind of a bit of a punch in the face in addition to just a complicated, complicated tale. So let's flip it over to you and, and start a conversation. Yeah, it's, it's a great song. It's really, I think, one of his most powerful songs uh, that he ever wrote. Um, and especially in this early phase of his career, it's different. It's, you know, same album as Blowing in the Wind, but a very different kind of song. It does have the folk background, um, the, the opening uh, uh, two lines of each uh, uh, verse, each stanza, however you want to look at it, uh, are taken from, adapted from a famous early Scottish poem, Lord Randall. Uh, but he's really transformed it. Um, into a very uh, dark and mysterious uh, scene. Uh, something, something's going on uh, quite o- overwhelming, even apocalyptic, really transformational. Um, we don't quite know what it is. The verses are all a little oblique and mysterious. Uh, people have tried to interpret them over the years in a variety of ways. Um, one of the... Uh, cues that people were given in the liner notes, uh, which uh, legend has it, Dylan was in conversation with Nat Hentoff and Hentoff wrote the liner notes. The suggestion is made that the song is really about the Cuban Missile Crisis. The only problem with that is he actually performed it uh, a couple of times uh, about a month before the Cuban Missile Crisis in uh, September of uh, 1962. With the same lyrics that that we see now? Yeah, pretty much. There, there was a manuscript version that, that was sold, an early manuscript version. He wrote it, as he often said, he wrote songs as a poem before he put it to music. And the early manuscript version has a couple of variations, but they're very minor. Uh, it really is pretty much the same song. And, uh, you know, the structure is, you know, where have you been? My, it opens, where have you been, my blue-eyed son? Where have you been, my darling young one? And those are the lines that are adapted from uh, Lord uh, Randall, which I actually have right here. It opens, oh, where have you been, Lord Randall, my son? Oh, where have you been, my handsome young man? Uh, But it becomes very different from there. A section on uh, where he's been, stumbling on the side of 12 misty mountains. You can be sure that people have tried to explain exactly what those 12 misty mountains are, but I I don't think Dylan really wrote that way. I think um, it's got a surrealistic quality to it, um, in, you know, strong images that are just thrown together. In What uh, do you the, make of all the numerology in the first yeah. stanza? Yeah. Um, I don't, I, you know, I've never really thought that, the, I, I am not one to try to tie details like that down to a strict interpretation, that it's 12 for this reason and six for another reason. Seven sad forests. I think seven sad forests makes a nice sound. A dozen dead oceans. Um, I think he's as much interested in the sound of things uh, and and in images, creating images that are shocking and and um, challenge our way of seeing things. You know that's that's the experience that that he's had. And this this amazing line, the last line before he gets to it, it's a hard rain, and this is the first verse. It's been ten thousand miles. I've been 10,000 miles in the mouth of a graveyard. It's a, that's a really powerful, stunning line, really, in the mouth of a graveyard, as if it's a, it's a mouth that is consuming him in some way. 
who knows? I, I, again, I wouldn't want to pin it down too definitively, but this dark and foreboding journey leads to this prophetic exclamation. It's a hard, it's a hard, it's a hard, it's a hard, and it's a hard rain are going to fall. I would put this poem squarely in a prophetic tradition that, you know, ultimately, although it has that, you know, a British uh, folklore, I should say Scotch, because it's early Scotch folkloric background to it, I think the more powerful textual background to this poem is actually prophets. And you're just to be clear about it, talking about prophets as in the Bible. I am. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. There's a very deep layer um, to that tradition in Dylan, which he wrestled with, as you well know, uh, uh, for years and has maintained a relationship uh, through all of that. I think also I would so, point so, to... So then if, if you see it, I'm sorry, John, but if you see it in the, in, the, in, in the spirit of the prophets, what resonates with me about that is that ultimately he, he gives you a hint at some, uh, at some kind of good that comes at the end of the world or good that comes after the apocalypse, perhaps, at the end, maybe, if you do certain things. Maybe. Well, what he does is a clearly in the last verse speaks to the importance of bearing witness as prophet. So when he finally, uh, you know, he's, he's talked of the executioner's face, always well hidden, uh, hunger is ugly, where souls are forgotten. It's a very dark place he's taken it, us to. And then he says, and I'll tell it and think it and speak it and breathe it and reflect it from the mountain so all souls can see it. Then I'll stand on the ocean until I start singing, but I'll know my song well before, before I start singing. So I, I think he really is reflecting there on the role of the prophet. And he's effectively saying that uh, first speaker has said, where have you been? Now uh, he's being asked, what will you do, my blue-eyed son? And he's basically saying, I'm going to go back out before this rain has come, and I'm going to revisit this place, and I'm going to bear witness to what's happening. So I think in that regard, we don't know, is this, a, is this an acid rain of some sort um, uh, that is purely destructive, or is there some hope that this rain washes us clean after that moment of destruction? I mean, I think those are, those are apocalyptic conventions, and they're all in play here. But we do know that he's, he's focused on his role, the speaker's role at least, the singer's role, of of bearing witness and confronting this reality. And I think there is, there is definitely a sense that there is good in that. So do you see it as a, as a protest song? Because it, you know, if you look at like, we shall overcome, yeah. which is, is kind of become the, 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 the archetypical protest song of the sixties. Um, although it dates back well before the sixties, that has a much different message than a hard rain's going to fall for sure. Um, yep. It almost seems Pollyannish when you look at uh, a hard rain's going to fall. So, is this a protest song or just a dark apocalyptic song? Yeah. So, uh, on the original album, the first song on side one was "Blowing in the Wind," which is, I think, a, a traditional protest song, and you know, one that uh, was made famous by Peter Paul and Mary, of course. Of course. And, and then uh, the last song on side one was was this song, A Hard Rain's Gonna Fall. So I think, I think Dylan is wrestling with his role 
I mean, he he learned a lot from the folk traditions and 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 from um, uh, Pete Seeger, uh, the example of Woody Guthrie. I mean, he learned an enormous amount from them, and he certainly styled himself on on the first album and and into this album uh, in in that vein. But uh, but I think he's also beginning to stretch himself in this song, and um, while the the protests that are in play here. I, I do think he's ultimately um, exploring a less definitive position for himself in, in terms of how to take a stand on the issues going on around him. So it's, it's interesting that the, the bookends of the, of the album, which really is, is, you know, a masterpiece of an album, blowing in the wind and then a hard rain's going to fall. And of course, kind of in, in the middle there or stuck a little bit in the middle, you have like Masters of War and that presents kind of just a, a, a different picture. Uh, yep. I don't know if it's entirely, but you know, that's not a song. I think to the Dylan file, you probably are, are, are fairly familiar with this, but it certainly doesn't have the kind of a popular uh, play that the other two songs have. Right. Um, and uh, the, the lyrics to that are actually also fascinating, especially when you consider it in the middle of a blowing in the wind and, and um, hard rain's going to fall for sure. Um, and it goes on and on forever and ever and ever. Um, and that's, that song ends, in my opinion, unequivocally, you know, in a negative way. I mean, I don't know if you have the lyrics right at the tip of your tongue, but, um, you know, the last kind of thing is, uh, and I hope that you die and your death will come soon. I will follow your casket by the pale afternoon and I'll watch while you're lowered down to your deathbed and I'll stand over your grave till I'm sure that you're dead. I mean, he's, he's, he's found the enemy and he's, uh, you know, staked out a clear position to, yeah. I mean, it's, this is a, this is a song that's a full throated protest song um, you know, this, the notion of masters of war, um, it's, it's fairly straightforward. And I think, I think it gets a little bit more complex for Dylan in other places. I don't think he ever abandons the sense of outrage, um, uh, this, the identification with those who suffer in the world. I mean, I think that's, that's a constant in, in Dylan's work. Uh, but I think he began to evolve in ways that, um, uh, didn't give him that, that led him to want to explore more complex a more complex relationship to his sense of good and evil in the world, and I think you I think you do see that in Hard Rain. So how can you draw a line just because we're in a moment uh, as we're recording this podcast, um, which we planned before George Floyd really uh, that protest movement got underway and we planned it as, as something that emerged from the pandemic really and, and, and what we would face on the other side of the pandemic. But can you draw a line from either song blowing in the wind or uh, hard rain's going to fall to these moments or both songs to this moment? Oh, well, I mean, I think, sure. I, I, again, I go back to just the, the sense of identification with those who suffer the sense of the, um, how terrible, Injustices and the need the need to recognize injustice and and take a stand and and speak out on it. I mean, I think that is always a a, a strong 
thread. I, I'll put I'll pull out another one from the, the songbook, Highway 61 Revisited, which begins with the famous scene of, of God and Abraham. Right. And, um, God said, God, you know, oh, 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 God said to Abraham, kill me a son. Abe said, man, you must be putting me on. It reads a little bit differently. <laughs> and yeah, that's so, very- Every com every modern commentary I'm aware of is exploring Bob Dylan's position here, or Bob's uh, uh, version of Abe calls him Abe. God say no, Abe say what? God say you can do what you want, Abe, but the next time uh, you see me coming, you better run. Um, I, I think there's always this strong identification in Dylan with those who who suffer and those who experience violence. And, um, you know, I, I think that's what's so powerful about, about Dylan in the end. Some of the songs are more traditionally protest on Highway 61. This is not a protest song in the same sense, but, but, but it still shares that underlying identification. Let me, let, me, let me add one more thing on this one. I'll take you all the way to the last verse. Uh, now the roving gambler, he was very bored trying to create a next world war. He found a promoter who nearly fell off the floor. He said, I never engaged in this kind of thing before. But yes, I think it can be very easily done. We'll just put some bleachers out in the sun and have it on Highway 61. Uh, And, you know, this is the sense of, you know, there are people out there who are are trying to to gain from other suffering. And, you know, it's going to, promote this um you know out you know put out some bleachers out in the sun on highway 61 so money making opportunity well it's clear for the you know the speaker of this 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 song um that's outrageous um and that and that's why it follows as every verse does in this highway 61 being the famous blues highway as they call it um it's you know he's also invoking uh, the blues tradition as a means of articulating that identification with, with, with forms of suffering. In Highway 61, do you see God in that last stanza as one of the characters? I'm not sure that I do, no. Uh, the Roven Gambler, you know, that's always a question. Then again, you will find people who will tell you exactly who the Roven Gambler is. Now, the Roven Gambler, he was very bored trying to create a next world war. So clearly that's a devil figure of some kind. I always thought even uh, when I went to rabbinic school and learned this, I thought about Job in that last stanza. Yeah. Um, I don't know why that, that kind of struck with me and fell upon me, but you know, the story of Job where God and Satan are kind of saying, hey, what about Job? And you know, yeah. almost as if one of them's the promoter and one of them's the roving gambler and yeah. they're looking for a sap like Job. Yep. And everybody's kind of going to laugh and see what's going on. I, I don't know if Dylan had, do you think Dylan had the, 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 the knowledge to make that analogy? Absolutely. Absolutely. Dylan was very well read and wide, wide ranging reader, very familiar with uh, contemporary American literary traditions and with um, French uh, literature as well. You know, the, the person is usually invoked when talking about something like hard rain and the kind of uh, the wild lyrics, you know, the, 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 the blood coming from the tree and things like that, it's, it's always Rambeau uh, that folks point to. And, and we know that Dylan read Rambeau and he's 
quoted Dan Rambo in a number of places. So that is only to say, yes, I think, I think he was well-read. I think, you know, we don't know a lot in a lot of precise detail exactly what his uh, Jewish education was as a kid, but his father was said to be uh, an observant Jew. And, um, you know, there are accounts of him growing up that, that reinforce that sense, published accounts. So I think, yes, I think that may very well be exactly what he has in mind there. Hmm. Interesting. So as, as we kind of begin to wrap up, if, if you are today at a, uh, you're asked to play your guitar, and I know you like me are a guitar player, at a, uh, a protest rally at this moment, this weekend, at, you know, in Fredericksburg, maybe not the best audience for these, but um, which one of the Dylan songs that we've talked about do you pick? Yeah, I think there's no contest on that. I think people need Blowing in the Wind because it, it speaks directly to the emotions that people are feeling and the need to organize those emotions. I mean, I think something like Hard Rain's Gonna Fall is, to me, it's more complex. And, and as, as, a, as a song, I might find it more interesting, but there's a time and a place for everything. And um, I think that as far as a time and a place, you've got an audience, you have an audience feeling all sorts of emotions that, that need to be given direction and organized and, and focused. And, and that, you know, largely, if, I, if I'm in the crowd, it's going to be a crowd that uh, wants to, you know, make a statement about, about the need to promote justice in our world. And so I think the classic protest song is, is where I'm going. You're going to have the last word, my friend, Jonathan. It's been a pleasure to have you on Radio Free Rabbi, Dr. Jonathan Levin of Mary Washington University. It's a joy as always. I hope you stay well. I hope you stay safe. And I hope your family is good. And I thank everyone for listening to the episode. And we're going to be played out by none other than Robert Zimmerman himself, Bob Dylan, as he plays out on um, Blowing in the Wind. Thanks. Thanks a lot, John. You are welcome. Must a man look up Before he can really see the sky Isn't how many years Must one man have Before he can hear a people cry Isn't how many deaths Will it take till he knows Too many people have died my friend is a blowing in the wind. The answer is blowing in the wind. This has been Radio Free Rabbi with Rabbi Joshua Aronson of Temple Judea in Tarzana, California. Produced and edited by Dan Leonard.